Hello, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 12 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. So, Angelo, people may not know this about us, but uh, let's just jump right into this this week. Uh, Usually, we have a pretty long lead time for a podcast, right? So, we have um, anywhere from 10 to 13 days from when we record to when we actually publish the podcast, but we're trying a little bit of a more shortened uh, schedule in order to get these out more quickly. So to uh, listeners, last week's podcast and this week's podcast, um, there's no uh, difference in time frame, but it, we've spent uh, two weeks off basically, right? Yeah, I was away in another country on a, at a tropical resort, having a lot of fun there with the family, a little quick vacation uh, earlier than usual. It was unexpected. It was one of those last minute booking trips. And uh, we had a pretty good deal, so we spent a week in the Dominican Republic. And did you enjoy yourself? So, hmm, uh, <laughs> I'm not a resort person, and uh, my wife will gladly tell you that. She actually pretty much told the border guard on the way back where she could hardly contain herself to tell him when he kept asking, oh, do you have a nice time? And she made a face, and then he kind of looked at her, and she's like, well, my husband doesn't really like resorts. He looked at me and said, you don't like resorts? I explained how much I I enjoy going to Disney World as opposed to these types of things. But look, I did have a decent time because the food was really good. So I had a good time at breakfast, good time at lunch, good time in the evening uh, once all the beach and pool stuff was out of the way. Did you end up getting a tan? A bit. Not much. I, I like sitting in the shade, watching the kids play, and uh, I went in the ocean. The ocean was beautiful there. I mean, I'm not a stick in the mud. It's not like I'm not a, I'm not a horrible person that just sat in the corner pouting. Not all, all the vacations. time, anyway. Pardon? Hates all vacations ever? No, I, I look, I went to Disney World three times in a row, three years in a row, at peak time in mid-July. So I'd normally be at Disney World this time of year. Like and, a fool. Well, see, people seem to hate the crowds and stuff, but I love it. I, I like when it's busy there. It's right. That's weird, right? That I don't like relaxing on a beach, but I like the hustle and bustle of Disney World at its peak season. It's I'm very much weird. like you. I've never taken a resort vacation. I've always taken, uh, I like to call them go-go vacations. So vacations that uh, tend to take you in different places. And, you know, uh, the last trip, I, or not the last trip, but the, uh, I took a trip in 2015 and we logged in over 3,000 kilometers in 10 days or something like that. So, wow. Yeah, we, lo- we like to go. And so while I was there, um, I did make some observations of uh, people using their technology and stuff. But you sound like you were going to say something. Yes, did you? So um, as opposed to uh, the civilized world, you did not have access to Wi-Fi. And that was part of the plan was to go there and just relax, not think about news or internet or uh, worry about tweeting or anything like that. Um, But I noticed a lot of people either are way less cheap than me and uh, sprung for the overly expensive Wi-Fi there or uh, are even more uh, inclined to spend some money and actually paid for having uh, their uh, data and, and stuff transferred there. thing is, is the makeup of the crowd there was there weren't that many North Americans. Okay. There was a lot, of, um, a lot of Europeans, a lot of Russians. And something I noticed that... In North America, I'd say when I'm walking around downtown and stuff, I see a lot of iPhones and um, like it's almost like a 50-50 split with Android and iPhone and Apple. And there it seems like hardly anybody had iPhones. It was like Android as far as the eye could see, especially among 
the South Americans there and a lot of the Europeans. There were some iPhones, obviously, but a lot of people had Android devices. And this is what we, we see, right, is that uh, Android has a much bigger uh, split of the, the market in terms of OS. Um, but in terms of actual smartphones, I mean, the iPhone was on par with the other phones, right? Because there's all different makes and models of Android, and there's really only one iPhone. So speaking of Androids versus iPhones, you and I were both reading articles this week about how the new iPhone may uh, have hit a couple of snags, I guess is the diplomatic way of putting it. Yeah, we've we've reached peak iPhone rumor season a couple of months before the traditional release in the fall. And uh, I, well, not to feel bad for like the richest company in the world, but Apple's kind of put themselves in a corner now where they have to have the best thing. And they're pretty much in a no-win situation, right? No matter what they do in the fall, there'll be a lot of people that'll kind of criticize them for whatever they do, be it... uh, So if they come out with this uh, fabled new phone without any bezels and uh, uh, under-the-screen Touch ID and face recognition and breath recognition and it walks your dog for you and all this other stuff, if they come out with this and it ends up being extremely expensive... They're going to get criticized for that. They're going to get criticized for having what essentially is the same model of, of the iPhone 6, just with the, being an iPhone 7S or whatever it is. They're, they're kind of, there's, they're really in a no-win situation. No, no well, one's Well, I feel it's like the double edge of being an innovator, right? So damned if you do, damned if you don't, I think is what you're trying to suggest here. And I think you've, you've sort of um, contextualized it very well and that like no matter what happens someone's not going to be happy yeah the the other day i i kind of i'm sure i'm not the only person to have thought this but i think if any year they're going to do this if they're releasing three phones this year they should just get rid of the numbering scheme and go iphone iphone plus iphone pro and that special phone will be the pro version kind of like they've done with the ipads the ipads there's the ipad the ipad mini which is kind of on the way out and the ipad pro no numbers anymore and they've done that with their computers. It's not like we're at iMac 17 at this point. It's well, just, not yet. Yeah, yeah, not yet. I don't. Well, I mean, I don't. I don't think they're ever going to start numbering uh, the, the the their their Macs at this point. So I think they should kind of try and get away from the numbering of the iPhone. Although I guess that's part of the whole uh, smartphone thing, right? Is you kind of number your phone to differentiate it because people tend to change their phones uh, way more often than they change their computers or iPads at this point. Right. So getting back to, though, to the aforementioned iPhone 8, there are several problems with it. Um, one of the bigger ones is the wireless charging doesn't seem to be working, according to several rumors um, that have come out over the last couple of days. Um, the front-facing 3D sensor isn't working as well as they don't know what to do with their Touch ID. Yeah. And, like At this point, it should be, be like manufacturing supposed to be starting at this point if they want to be selling so many. That's the other problem they face. Uh, I was reading an article by Jason Snell in uh, Macworld, which I didn't link to because I just read it before we started recording. And he was talking about how uh, the Essential phone, like we talked about a few weeks ago, and uh, even uh, stuff like, well, the Essential phone and that new phone by the by the, the people at Red that make the cameras. They the really holographic to, phone? Yeah, they really don't have to worry about uh, producing things in, in huge numbers. Uh, I think Andy Rubin was quoted as saying he's going to sell thousands, not millions. And Samsung is the closest to Apple in terms of any they sell, but they're not going to sell more than uh, 
70 or 80 million. That's a lot of phones. But Apple sells 200 million, is it in a year and a quarter? They sell crazy amounts of phones. And that's the problem. They have to make sure that this high-end technology that's already hard to produce in, in terms of their parts, that those people can actually create those things in numbers. And if they can only make 50 million, then the iPhone's gonna uh, gonna... They're only going to be able to make 50 million. I'm going to post, I'm going to link to that article. This is a really great insight from uh, Jason Snell as usual. Well, here's a theory, right? So um, if they can only produce a limited amount of them, then why don't they turn them into a niche product, right? So the idea is that you pivot from everyone having it to raising the price a little bit more and make it more selective, right? As a, as a marketing strategy. I think that's something they could do. It's not necessarily, not necessarily something that they want to do, but it's something that they could, in theory, do in order to um, salvage this next crop of phones, I think. The problem is, is at this point, Apple's far from being niche. And something else that uh, Snell talks about in that article is that people don't want like the 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 second tier or third tier iPhone. They're going to want the best one. So why buy the 7S when you have this iPhone Pro, iPhone 8, iPhone 10, whatever it is? Nobody's going to want to want get the quote unquote crummy iPhone. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be a really, it's going to be a really interesting September for Apple, is what I think. Uh, this might be a bizarre year for them. I think Apple isn't the only company having a lot of problems, and the one that we're about to talk about hits a little bit closer to home too. Is that you and I use SoundCloud in order to uh, host our podcast, and there's a lot of news coming out these days that SoundCloud has at most 80 more days of money in the bank yeah. before they declare bankruptcy. Yeah. So that's a little bit of an interesting issue um, in terms of both uh, the issue with any startup is collecting as much money as possible, getting your VC money, and then trying to figure out how to monetize it, right? So um, on the creator end, they've monetized it in terms of hosting space, but on the user end, they have... Um, soundcloud go which cuts out ads and things like that but it hasn't caught on the way it should and according to a couple of articles they haven't released their um both subscriber and uh user base numbers in a long time they keep claiming over 100 million but it probably is half that at this point well i hadn't even heard of soundcloud go until i uh horribly looked up how to get a refund for soundcloud pro and uh, getting a refund for for soundcloud go came up uh but yeah when we first were deciding on hosting uh, we both kind of talked about the the issues we had read about SoundCloud. We both decided that it wasn't much of a problem. We thought it would be fine. And by far, in terms of uh, product, SoundCloud offers one of the best prices for podcasters, is in my opinion. For sure, and I'd used it for my previous podcast too. Um, plug, plug for dead episodes if you want to head over and take a look at the prepared show. Uh, <laughs> those are still living in a virtual graveyard. But yeah, um, I had a really positive experience in using soundcloud for that so i was very eager to use it for this too but who knows how much longer we'll have and i mean the thing is like this isn't the first time this has been reported but i mean they cut like what like 40 percent of their workforce or something? it's really sad people just showed up to work one day and they called a meeting and it's like sorry you're gone and security shows up yeah and a bunch of them had just started too at that point right so it's this weird thing where they didn't want to seem weak by uh instituting a hiring freeze yet suddenly you cut almost half of your staff off <laughs> like it's this weird kind of trade-off not fun for the people there i feel really bad and i think it's it's a bigger problem too just in terms of how to monetize the things that are out there right like how do you get people to agree to pay when free is king uh in this day and age right so for example in the states there's youtube red that's 10 bucks a month um and offers premium and i use that word loosely premium programming right but then you have 
uh, YouTube by and large for the rest of the world is free. Yeah, you just have the ads you have to sit through, which are never really that long. So it's uh, I I can understand wanting to get rid of the ads, but I, at this point, we don't even have the option of paying for YouTube Red. So even if we did, I'm not quite sure I'd pay for it because at this point, it seems like we might have to uh, save that money to pay for a different podcasting host. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we've been looking into alternatives. Sort of. Uh, it's always good to prepare for you know the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario in this case is SoundCloud just stops being a website one day and it may happen sooner rather than later yeah we really want to look into that we're going to be uh definitely checking out to see what uh number one is the policy to refund because we've paid for a year right and um, we're like four months into this yeah and uh the option that's come up I've, i talked to our friends over at the rgba podcast and they use fireside and um, that's started by Dan Benjamin, who hosts, who has a podcast network of his own, who knows what he's doing. And it seems to be really geared towards uh, giving really great service to podcasters and making things as easy as possible, although it's significantly more expensive, a bit, about double the price, right, for yeah, that exactly. we pay from SoundCloud. Exactly. But you get a free website, you get a lot of really great analytics, and it seems to be almost like dreamlike in terms of how easy it is to just transfer everything over. It's pretty much you press a button and they do everything for you. Right. So, so that's one potential out there. So if you're actually, if you're a content creator, if you're a podcaster and you have any suggestions for us, feel free to tweet at us at double underscore density. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Uh, Instagram is more so for images than messaging. But if you feel the desire to let us know what you're using or what plans or websites you're using, over on Instagram is Double Density Podcast. And you can also email us at doubledensitypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you're using in order to host. Um, if you're also uh, using SoundCloud, like, are you fretting alongside us? Like, let us know. We're curious to see if we're just um, alone in this boat or if there are other people feeling the heat a little bit. I don't think, I don't think we're the only ones that was on, the, uh, on Reddit before. And a lot of people seem to be a little nervous about SoundCloud. And this has been the sentiment for about a month if not longer. Even when we first started using SoundCloud, I was happy with it. You were happy with it. But then I was seeing all these articles on Reddit talking about how, oh, are you sure you want to be with SoundCloud? But it works for us. At the end of the day, we hardly even see SoundCloud. Most of our listeners come from uh, podcast apps, from, from what I can tell. And some people do listen on SoundCloud. But the thing is, is that if we switch to even something like Fireside, well, at that point, What'll be nice is that we'll have literally our own website where all of our podcasts are hosted and you just press a play button and it plays off of there. And I'm, I, I'm almost, <laughs> is it bad that I'm almost sort of like hoping that we switch away from SoundCloud because Fireside seems pretty great despite It's definitely a discussion cost. we can have um, in the near future. I feel like you and I are talking as if like we're worried parents about which kid we're going to send our, or, or, or which school we're going to send our kid to eventually. Like, I oh, know, the- oh yeah, you know, SoundCloud's in state and it's not expensive, <laughs> but... Well, the good news is if we get a website, we can put up a picture of uh, you that I will will mercilessly Photoshop into different situations every week. Wonderful. That sounds like a great plan. (laughs) The internet's coming to get you, Angela. Next week on Double Density. Bob the Printer reveals all. Double Density. Welcome back to the Double Density Podcast. So while Angela was gone, I was busy, you know, living life, but I also was entertained for a full week of speed running with the Summer Games Done Quick Marathon, which benefits 
Doctors Without Borders. And I could tell you, I've, I have become one of those people who spends uh, more than zero amount of time on Twitch watching people rehearse their games and trying to get um, records and things like that. So I spent the week watching that. And I think it's really an interesting sort of hobby. And it's sort of weird to think you know, 30 years ago, no one anticipated people on the internet um, spending their days in, in some cases, making little livelihoods, playing Super Mario 3 all day long, trying to get like a personal best record. And it's, it's almost, it's essentially a sport, right? It's almost like there, there's a lot of skill involved to be able to speed run an old 8-bit game because those games are really hard. Right. Well, I mean, they call them strats after strategy and you, you get to learn the lingo as you sort of like yeah. dive in. And I've gotten a couple of friends hooked and I've, I've, it was so funny because during that week I was getting random texts from um, two specific friends of mine who I had just shown Twitch to and showed some speedrunning uh, videos I knew that they liked. And, you know, they were just damning me for making them ruin their days because like there are a lot of games that they enjoyed watching um, being speedrun uh, all at once. So things like um, Super Metroid and uh, Final Fantasy VII, and there was a, a an old school Mario relay race from Mario One all the way to Super Mario World, which took up a couple of hours, and a bunch of us gathered on Friday night to watch it. So that was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> wow. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, you can go changed. ahead and judge me for loving uh, loving speedrunning, and even my girlfriend kind of chides me. She's like, "Oh, you're you're watching the marathon again, like for the fourth day in a row." So I'm, look, I've spent a lot of time. Uh, I think the thing I've done the most with my new iPad has been watching uh, GameSack videos because you, you got me hooked on that channel. I feel like I just give people content that they love. But speaking of your new iPad, you have some really great news about this. Yeah, some follow-up from our first or first second episode. episode. First episode, wow. So remember back then when I uh, we had initially started podcasting, I'd bought this great Tascam US 2x2 um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, USB, USB interface. USB dongle? Yeah, USB giant USB dongle with flashing lights on it. So it's... Um... <laughs> I lost... Okay, wait. We'll have to start that over. But giant so it's a USB... USB dongle with flashing lights. Yeah, so giant USB dongle with flashing lights on it. Uh, basically, I was having a lot of trouble getting it to work with my iPhone, which was the only iOS device I, I had that really could run GarageBand. And it was uh, recording fine in terms of the regular uh, actual inputs, but it wasn't working well with the MIDI input, which was the whole thing. I really wanted to record on MIDI because I had never really had that experience. And tonight, uh, since um, one of the hosts was late uh, getting to the party because of bus issues and not his own fault, um, I said, okay, well, while I'm waiting for Brian, I'm going to try and set this up and see if I can get it to work with MIDI. And it worked. Great. I'm glad to hear it. So we can close the loop on an episode one mystery. I know. (laughs) 11 episodes later. But we just don't know why the iPhone didn't work, though. That's kind of weird, right? It should, they should both theoretically work, but the iPad worked and I'm totally fine with it because that's what I really wanted to record on. So, so you you also spent the week dealing with uh, um, Apple in different ways, though, too. Apart from dealing with their USB dongle. So yeah, because of the new, <laughs> yeah, it's not the, it's the Tascam dongle. Uh, <laughs> because my daughter got my old iPad Mini, she started playing uh, Monument Valley, and it's it's actually the first video game she's ever finished uh, on the plane. We were on the way back from the Dominican Republic, and she uh, was watching a movie on um 
on the seat back. It's the first plane we've taken, actually, that have the nice screens on the back of the seats. And she was playing uh, Monument Valley. She nudged me and said, Daddy, I finished it. And I was really proud of her. It's her first video game she finished. Now, mind you, Monument Valley isn't exactly a hard game, but she's eight years old, and she got to finish it. And she noticed at the end that it uh, mentions uh, some other levels. So we decided to do an in-app purchase. And I kind of wanted to play along with her. So since I had done the in-app purchase on her iPad, I tried to do it on mine. And then it said purchased again. So it ended up charging me twice for content I was under the impression was a part of family sharing. So I emailed Apple and said, look, I got charged twice for this. Um, I didn't realize it could happen. Is there any way I can get a refund? And I had a really nice interaction with Apple customer service. They got back to me a couple of days later. They apologized for the delay. Uh, explained to me that in-app purchases are not actually covered under family sharing. That which, doesn't surprise me, unfortunately. And I, I actually, at that point, when I read that, I remembered that people were complaining about Super Mario Run and how you had to buy the in-app purchase for each indiv- individual person that used it in your family. So I, 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 I understood, but he refunded me anyway. And I, I replied to him and thanked him. And he said, <laughs> and then he replied back and said, thank you for thanking me because nobody ever does that. So, so a big ups for your personal lord and savior apple computers yeah it was i was i mean it's only two dollars and 79 cents canadian it's not exactly breaking the bank and if i hadn't gotten a refund i wouldn't have cared but i just felt i had made a mistake and it was wrong but i was it was actually right uh it's just that i didn't understand the rules of the family sharing thing because we we've never actually done an in-family uh in-app purchase right so um so monument valley uh would you describe it as a good game it's very pretty. I'm playing it on the on my iPad now. It's there's not much to it. You're just kind of going through it. It's pretty to look at. There's a bit of a challenge, but not much. I'm like at level seven or eight. I, I think the first time I ever heard of Monument Valley was in uh, House of Cards. I don't know if you I don't know if you watch House of Cards, but I do watch House of Cards. I don't remember the the scene. Yeah, Frank Underwood was showing uh, somebody the game or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. That was a couple of years ago. I can't remember what happened last week. I think I was on vacation. <laughs> Were you though? I think so. I think I was just sitting in my room wishing I had my iPad. That was actually the the, the worst part of the vacation, as sad as it sounds, is that I just got the stupid iPad and then I left two days later and it's not like I was going to bring it with me to another country. I'd just gotten it and it was kind of awkward to carry around and it would not have fit in the safe over there anyway, so I'm glad I didn't bring it. I'm so happy you're preoccupied with that instead of, you know, the the well-being of your, your children or whatever. Oh, no, no. I, I, I would think about it when I wasn't worrying about the kids. <laughs> so it was either kids or iPad at home. Yeah, exactly. So you also, um, the reason I mentioned Monument Valley is that you also uh, made a comment to me about uh, you see a lot of people playing really bad, like, free-to-play games. That's something I noticed uh, while I was away. And also I noticed it all the time on the train, but uh, I noticed it a lot at um you know people in their downtime sitting at the beach uh, a lot of them were reading or playing really crappy uh match this jewel game or whatever you know all the crummy uh free to play games that say free but end up stealing all kinds of money from you at the end of the day because you kind of get compelled to <laughs> buy these stupid things to to go along with the game i like and, the fact that you use the word uh steal as if there's no decision making there yeah, I guess. It's, it's, they're really <laughs> addictive from what I understand. Like a hopeless, you sound like a hopeless consumer. I'm a very well-informed consumer. I don't, remember, we've established I'm, I'm an app hipster. Well, you also use the word steal. 
You're well, yeah. you're an app hipster, but when it comes to games, I don't know what your policy is. So, so stuff like Monument Valley is I consider good because uh, it seems to be have been have. There's a lot of thought put into it. It doesn't try to take your money. Although I guess I had to ask for a refund. But uh, it, is that your it's cat, not? By the way, that's my. You hear my cat? Yeah, yeah. she's uh, she's meowing again. She's back. She last time we recorded, attention. she wasn't in the house. Remember? Oh right, she was gone. But now she wants attention. Yep, now she wants attention. She's like meowing and meowing. Sorry, Do you I think hope. it would help to get her her own podcast? <laughs> the Meowcast. Yeah. <laughs> Lollipop and friends. I would probably listen to it for like three or four minutes before turning it off. Your cat would like it. Your cat would hiss. There'd be a lot of hissing going on. Well, she it, tried to climb up on my keyboard at the beginning of the episode, and I shoot her away, and now she's just comfortably sitting on the edge of the table that I use um, as a, a workstation for uh, podcasting. So I think she understands that she needs to stay away when I'm busy doing this. Well, we'll see how, how much she bothers us for the show. Like, she's kind of... Just sitting under the desk now, but staring at me. We'll see what happens. Well, speaking of the opposite of shitty games, though, um, <laughs> while you were gone, the SNES Classic was announced. That's really exciting, actually. And the games they announced, one of them in particular, uh, was kind of funny because I was watching uh, the aforementioned Game Sack. Again, we kind of mention them like every episode. Uh, but uh, I was watching one about unreleased games, and they were showing Star Fox 2. And I had really kind of forgotten about Star Fox 2 and the whole uh, mythology around it, how they had kind of gotten it ready. Shoot it, it away because yeah. the Nintendo 64 was on its way. Yeah, and it kind of looked crappy compared to the 32-bit systems at that point. Uh, but it's going to be part of the uh, NES Classics. Uh, and that's because it's 20 games plus one, and the Star Fox 2 is the plus one. You have to unlock it by finishing the first level of Star Fox, which isn't exactly too hard. So I'm going to go through a quick list. Okay, you ready for this? Go for it. Deep breath. Super Mario World, Super Mario Kart, The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, F-Zero, Super Metroid, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Super Punch-Out, Super Castlevania 4, Donkey Kong Country, Mega Man X, Kirby Superstar, Final Fantasy 3, Kirby's Dream Course, Star Fox, Star Fox 2, Yoshi's Island, uh, Super Mario RPG, Contra 3, Secret of Mana, Earthbound, and Super Ghouls and Goblins. Oh, Earthbound is on there. I was ready to, t- to go into this whole thing where I'm like, oh, every game I want is on there except Earthbound, but it's there, even though I have it on the virtual console. So, I mean, like, everyone's reporting this. Uh, do you feel like there's any games missing that you're like, shoot, they should have added that there? Uh, Chrono Trigger, probably. Right, but I feel like they made a decision, like, Square was like, which ones do you want? And, like, they were like, okay, well, we want Final Fantasy three, and, uh, yeah, that's probably Secret all they could afford. Secret of Mana is on there, too, no? Yeah, but I, uh, yeah, and that one, too. But... Is Donkey Kong Country on there? It is. Yeah, this it's it's like the perfect it's the perfect Super NES library. Yeah, I think I this thing is gonna sell. <laughs> <laughs> it's only missing my favorite game of all time, James Bond Junior, which we discussed in a bonus episode that we'll be releasing soon about um, our top five SNES games, which I think will uh, be dropping sooner rather than later. But yeah, we had a lot of fun recording that, and I think this ties in wonderfully with uh, what we've uh, already talked about. But yeah. Um, the only downside I think is I wanted I would have loved to have DK Country two and three on there too to complete the trilogy. What about Diddy Kong Racing? Uh, <laughs> that's the sixty four game. Oh, is it? Oh, okay, damn. Yeah. See, clearly your old man memory is failing. Yeah, it's really broken. <laughs> but but it, by and large, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. The only problem is going to be we're never going to get one because they're going to be super hard to find. You think that Nintendo's going to pull the same move? I don't understand the strategy of uh, shorting. Yeah, Nintendo. What they're going to do with sense. this? And also, um, in the pack, they're including two controllers instead of one, like the uh, NES, uh, the NES Retro did, with longer cords. 
Yep. So they've addressed the issues with the NES, which I'm really happy with. But yeah, this list by and large is amazing. I can't. I really would love to get my hands on this. I'm hoping I can. It's it's coming out in a couple of months too. It's, yep. uh, it's not even that far. Yeah, uh, September 29th or something yep. like that. Yeah, end of September. Now, perfect birthday present for my son. <laughs> well, speaking of your son, you sent me a picture recently where he was very adorably peeking over your wife's shoulder, but there's a weird uh, context as to why you sent me that. You want to get into that? So uh, after we came back from our trip, we went to uh, my mother-in-law's house. My sister-in-law was here from out of town, and we were all there having supper. And um, I was in the living room with uh, the kids who were watching TV and stuff, and I, I kind of heard a bit of chit-chatting and stuff and talking about phones, so my ears perked up. And it was interesting watching uh, my wife and her sister two iPhone users trying to figure out how to send a picture to uh, her aunt's iDrone. iPhone. next wave. Yeah, her, her, her Android phone, which she had just received. So it was, they were just trying to figure out what to do. They, they managed to change her wallpaper into a picture of themselves. So that was kind of fun for them. But they, they were trying to get this picture to them and they couldn't get the or it was a picture that was taken with their aunt's phone trying to get it to their phone and they were trying to text it and it wasn't working and then we realized her aunt doesn't have an actual sim card in that phone it's just basically an android phone to be used on wi-fi so they couldn't text it that way and they managed to get some weird texting app i forgot what it was called it wasn't it wasn't um what's the one everybody uses gmail no, not email. The, the the WhatsApp. It wasn't WhatsApp. It was, and she didn't have Messenger on Facebook. It was all, anyways, it was really hard for them to kind of figure out what to do because they were kind of flummoxed by the whole Android uh, user interface. It was, it's so different from the iPhone, really. It kind of looks the same and everybody accused them of copying, but at this point, Android and, and iOS are pretty different, and it was it was kind of hard for them to figure out what to do, but they did. Uh, my wife's actually pretty technically savvy, so she could they she, have logged into a web browser and, and sent it using an email agent. It, they it was it was getting really complicated to do that. I don't really I wasn't really there to watch them. I didn't want to interfere. I was it was more curious at seeing how uh, quote unquote normals use technology, and right. and that's something. Is that insulting? Yes, it's your wife, so. Think carefully about your next words. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, not not just her. I mean, I, I'd actually classify her as more, like I said, tech savvy. It's just that she wasn't really used to, and I would be the same way, to be honest with you. So that that's not the thing about normals or anything. It's just, I, it's just somebody faced with a completely different type of interface. But but to be uh, fair, on the on the flip side of things, like uh, uh, normal people are much better at using things like Facebook than you are, right? Much 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 better that's something i noticed when i was away a lot of people were on their phones using their facebooks and <laughs> using their facebooks yeah and they were doing all kinds of stuff and i don't know chatting and texting and all the things the kids do these days on on the facebooks and i i, I don't even have it installed on any of my devices no so, i don't either i use the browser to log in yeah and even at that like i said i mostly just use it for the podcast 
You're not sending so. pictures of your uh, kids to acquaintances all day long, no? You're not well, playing uh, Farmville? My wife actually uploads the pictures and then just tags me on it. My screensaver <laughs> keeps going on. I forgot that I turned on the screensaver because uh, I don't know if you know this, but my uh, my iMac, uh, like most 5K iMacs, has a bit of an image retention problem sometimes. And uh, the best way to get rid of it is to turn on the screensaver. And uh, I had turned it on the other day to get rid of some uh, ret- retained images. And I forgot to turn off the screensaver, so now I feel like I'm in 1999 uh, and I have flying So what is your screensaver? Screen. Is it flying toasters? No, it's the flurry thing. You know, the nice, uh, colorful... The swirls? Swirls and stuff. I, I, I kind of like it. It's just that I don't really like it popping up while I'm uh, doing a podcast, so I'm going to turn Did you off. ever have other screensavers, like when you were using a PC? I think I actually had the flying toaster one at one point. Okay. That I had gotten from a friend or something, but uh, no, I'm not. I was never really big on screensavers because past like the past 1995, they kind of became useless because there was very little uh, image retention issues on um, on actual uh, CRTs at that point. It was really not that much of a problem. I never, I never had a problem with it anyway. Um, but on this iMac, from time to time, you do see a bit of image retention, but it's not absolutely awful it's just it's just something that happens it's very normal it's not even apple acknowledges that uh, and it goes away it's not like it's it's terrible so what you're saying is that you've never uh opened up the custom windows screensaver uh making uh software application and typed in very crude messages for uh, family and friends to see if ever they came by your computer in your way so you you just unlocked the part of my brain that i had completely forgotten about yeah, there used to be those things. I remember that. I had, I just remembered I had, remember the dancing baby from Ali McBeal? Yeah, I was actually uh, referencing that last night, strangely enough. I was trying to do the dance in the apartment. <laughs> well, I had that as my screensaver with a MIDI file of Corn Lake Girl playing in the background. <laughs> that is almost peak 90s right there. Exactly. It was because like, Corn Lake Girl is probably one of my favorite songs of all time, uh, even back then, still is now. And the dancing baby thing, not one of my favorite things of all time, but it was kind of a novelty at the time. So I had it as my screensaver. And I was very proud that it, to have created it. Right. Uh, oh, I also remember like that weird kind of pivot that the uh, the messaging would do. Like the pivot was in the middle. And oh, then, like, yeah. The left-hand side would pop out and the right-hand side would pop Let's see if we can find a YouTube video or two to sort of elaborate on what we're talking about. But yeah, I, I remember typing in very crude messages and, and hoping that someone would see it. I wonder if uh, anybody listening to this is born after that. Oh, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, are you any... born like are you born like post post, post screensaver? So PSS. So there's like <laughs> there's ASS and PSS. <laughs> so what? Uh, like, what's what year would that be? Like 1999? Anybody? Yeah, let's to this? draw the line in like 2000. Let's just 2000. draw the line in 2000. So any 17 year olds listening to this podcast that that would shock me. But... One, congrats. Two, do your homework. Uh, but yeah, let us know if you're 17 or no. You know what? That that enters like really weird territory that we should be entering. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say like if you are like great, thanks for listening to us. And if you're over uh, 17 and you remember uh, screensaver culture, like let us know too. Yeah. All right, we 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 got out of that hole pretty quick. <laughs> um, speaking of like your favorite songs. Uh, there is this really great uh, Vulture article that came out recently about how um, Spotify may be uh, inflating numbers or, of, uh, or not necessarily inflating numbers, but um, uh, uh, putting in fake artists in very popular playlists in order 
to keep royalty costs down, I, which yeah, I find after, very interesting. Well, after I read that article, I was compelled to text you and say that was a really interesting article, and it opened my eyes up to 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 realize: is it bad for me to say that some of not this that Spotify thing, but part of the article also talked about people sort of spamming Spotify with uh, "Happy Birthday" with various names and how brilliant that is. I think it's a great idea. If that is a source of revenue that is available to you, absolutely. So the Vulture article, uh, which is entitled The Streaming Problem, colon, How Spammers, Superstars, and Tech Giants Game the Music Industry by Adam Raymond. Go, it, it, there are a lot of like really interesting little tidbits and tangents, right? So it opens with um, describing how someone created uh, a sound-like version of Kendrick Lamar's Humble um, called Sit Down, Be Humble. Um, and then how that if you are not paying attention you search for that that comes up and actually funnily enough i had that happen to me this week prior <laughs> to reading this article um so this guy dj Khaled has a new song out called wild thoughts with rihanna and this guy bryson tiller so i'm like oh i'd like to hear it so the first uh hit is obviously the dj Khaled version but then if you let it keep playing it goes into wild thoughts by wild thoughts which is a remake of the song it's it's really smart how some people figure that out and sort of gain the system and I'm I'm both annoyed by people like that, but also impressed. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, the happy birthday thing is so smart to do, right? That like, is that's really smart. And you're not stealing so anything genius. at that point, right? No. You're just trying to figure out how to... I almost want to call it like Spotify hacking, because like, it's not its intended use, but it's there and it exists. Yeah, it's it's not like the, uh, the jerks that steal uh, YouTube videos and put them on Facebook with... Uh, a different background and kind of steal it like i've seen that happen to cgp gray and stuff and i that i can't stand that's something that uh, a lot of people call freebooting and it's uh that's that's absolutely awful but this is kind of smart yeah i'm definitely into it and then like the article goes on to um talk about this band uh Wolfpack, who put out an album of silence and then um they asked users to put it on at night and it racked up a fairly decent <laughs> amount of money like they made 20,000 bucks off of 4 million plays well, um until spotify so the weird thing is i don't understand how it goes against the terms of service i still like th- that still is a mystery to me like why they won't allow this to happen because there's no, there's no sound right there's like nothing happening i apparently not well so i there's something in the terms of service where in Spotify, it's like you have to have a sound of some kind. Like, it has to be something. But what if you claim it's the dog whistle that humans can't hear? Well, no, then, then you're fine. There you go. Also, there's a lot of, like, um, it also brings up the fact that there's a lot of missing um, artists uh, on streaming services like Spotify. So I think uh, in the episode a couple of weeks back, we talked about that. Uh, another uh, big one for me these days is Tool, the band Tool, right? Tool's not on there, but um, DJ Tool is on there, and they have a song that sort of sounds like a Tool song, and they have a, a large amount of hits uh, yeah, on their one song. Yeah, Tool is not on there uh, on, on Apple Music either. They're one of the few No, they're artists. a holdout, yeah. Um, so, for example, though, like uh, Garth Brooks isn't on there in the article, right? And they mentioned that... Um, one of the this group recorded forty two covers of Garth Brooks songs, and they've been able to make money off that. Yeah, the the Brooks stars Garth. Yeah, like exactly. That. And then there are people who name songs based on lyrics that aren't in the title, like Migos is bad and bougie. Uh, if you listen to their first line, it goes, you know, raindrop, drop top. So someone created a song that was exactly the same as um, bad and bougie, but they named it raindrop, drop top. Yeah, that's really smart because then, like they say in the article. If you don't know the name of the song, you're going to search for the lyric, you know, and that's what comes up first. 
right uh, and then in, um another interesting facet is the fact that like um companies bundle songs together in such a way as to appear um to be uh, larger hits than they are so for example when drake's views came out they put hotline bling which on its own had been released um in the middle of uh 2015 uh, and had garnered a massive amount of hits and then they tack that on to the end of views in order to bolster the numbers of of records sold it, it's it's they've had to change the way music works and it's pretty interesting how even big stars have to sort of game the system in a way. Now, is it is it Drake who's doing that, or is it Spotify who's doing that? Uh, it's Drake. Yeah. I so, think it's Drake in collusion with a lot of these streaming services because the idea is you want to get as much good press as possible, and unfortunately, a lot of time these days, it's how can you make these numbers appear to be larger than they are, right? Yeah, and I mean, Drake was, the, was at the Apple Music announcement, and he spoke, he rambled, he didn't really talk, he just rambled on for a few minutes. That was one of the weirdest keynotes of all time with, uh, with Drake being there. Uh, and the other thing is they were talking about how some artists have like 50 track albums on there and a lot of the tracks are just the exact same track. Yeah, there's a lot of that too, right? That just um, um, similarly titled albums with similarly titled um, tracks on there of basically indistinguishable music. Yeah, Chris Brown even has an album that has 40 tracks on it. Well, the, so the article kind of doesn't make mention of this, but it's not out yet. Oh, okay, okay. So that was my one nitpick of the article is that it's out later this month from what I remember because it's not on any of the streaming services as of yet, but yeah. Well, we don't like Chris Brown. He well, sounds like a uh, bit of a jerk. <laughs> I think a bit of a jerk is an understatement. Yeah. Um, so I'll agree with you. But yeah, the point is that like, yeah, so Drake released his, um, I guess he called it like his his mixtape or rather his whatever, his his cl- a collective project More Life, right? And that thing had like 25 tracks. It's, it's, it's just we, they've had to change the way it works and... The artists who adapt are the ones who become successful. Uh, well, something I found really interesting was when they how they talked about um, Ryan Adams having uh, the cover of 1989 on Spotify be- and that really helping him with the fact that Taylor Swift's actual 1989 album wasn't on Spotify when that came out. So it wasn't Apple Music, so it didn't really do anything on Apple Music for him. But on uh, on Spotify, it was the only 1989 album on there. And uh, the covers of the two biggest hits from that album had like 40 million streams. Right. And I feel in that case, I think it's more of an allowable kind of thing. It's not a, a sound alike, right? Like it's, a, it's a starkly different. Like is Ryan Adams in a guitar basically pretty much redoing and, 1989? Yeah. And I actually like that album quite a bit. Do you like Silence though? No. And they mentioned John Cage in this and that brought back horrible memories of when I was a... Uh, a fine arts student and uh, had to write a paper on John Cage who I found super pretentious. So you don't enjoy the things that he's done in his time? No, and the way people like revered him in my classes that we were, we were talking about him, it's like, how this is garbage. It's so silly. Yeah, especially the, there was we were watching a video of him sitting at a piano for four minutes and 33 seconds. That's performance. <laughs> Come on, give me a break. It's like the the artists that, and I haven't, look, I'm allowed saying this, I have a degree in art history. It's like the artists that like have blank canvases on the wall. Give me a break. Come on. I feel like we're going to, if we continue down this path, we'll jump down uh, a rabbit hole. I don't necessarily want to get into, but <laughs> yeah. the, the value and meaning behind pieces of art and what they are. So let's just, I will agree with you on a broad basis and maybe one day uh, I will accost you 
with um you know my rebuttal when you least expect it all right and i'll write a paper <laughs> but then you know the idea too is that like, maybe we should start titling our episodes like other popular podcasters or like songs right so oh, that that's way a great idea our seo is up there or just just like uh super mario brothers tips here let me open a billboard let's go take a look at the top three songs of the week right in the in the hot 100 so just give me a sec all right go for it or the billboard 200 sorry oh no let's do the hot 100 okay so <laughs> number one's despacito okay uh, number two is I'm the one. Okay. Number three is that's what I like. That's what I like. There you go. Number four is the song I was mentioning, Wild Thoughts, and number five is Shape of You. Let's. I feel like that's what I like. Our Wild Thoughts should be what we name uh, episode twelve. All right, with hashtags everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but some bands are looking to the future. Some bands are looking to the past. So, uh. Radiohead is re-releasing OK Computer because it's been 20 years, and they're doing a couple of really interesting special editions, uh, including <laughs> releasing uh, a, a physical audio cassette with uh, information on there that you can uh, recompile using... Someone used an emulator with ZX Spectrum in order to see what was on there. That's... Oh, the, huh, having the, the, the forethought of doing that, that's, I'm really impressed that somebody thought of actually doing that without any prompting i don't think there were any instructions to do that right no there weren't and i think that like obviously if you get a bunch of nerds who like a, a band that's really big into um easter eggs i guess would be the best way of putting it then like sooner or later someone was going to discover this so it took no time at all though yeah and i love it i radiohead's so brilliant sometimes and okay computer first of all i can't believe it's 20 years old uh and secondly that was really smart of them to do and it really plays to some parts of their audience. And um, the Ars Technica uh, article really goes into it. It's pretty interesting how how somebody figured it out. It's not a cheap uh, collector's edition either. It's not like something I would buy, but uh, to be fair, cool. though, it's not the most expensive either. It's only it's it's one hundred thirty dollars uh, U.S. But at the same time, like it's not the most expensive collector's item I've seen in terms. Oh, of Oh no, this kind of course. Of there have been a lot of Led Zeppelin really issues that are like two hundred bucks that are really unfortunately not. I had a Led Zeppelin box set of all their things. It's uh, got it on sale, but it was still pretty expensive. But back then, that's the only way you could do that. Are you a Zepp head? Do you have like a like ranked Zeppelin album order? No, I do like them, but it's not like I'm not crazy. If you were on a desert island and a boat came by and the man on the boat yelled out, what is your favorite Led Zeppelin song? Uh, if you answer wrongly, you're not on the boat. What do you pick? Jeez. Oh, is it bad if I say I really like Fool in the Rain? No. <laughs> that is really such good. a really great... It's a strange, almost anomalous song, right? Like, All My Love. Do you know that song where it's just yeah. synthesizer? Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's the dancier version of that. Because I was going to say, yeah, um, In My Time of Dying. Yeah, that's great. I think and would be... So an album I like, which nobody ever seems to like, and it's probably one of my favorite Led Zeppelin albums, is Presence. Presence is a really weird one because there's a lot of different styles on there that I don't know. Killy's Last Stand, though, man, that's such a good song. Definitely that and uh, and um, uh, For Your Life Two is on there, right? So that one too. It's, it's a great album. <laughs> so what you're saying is that you are a Led Zeppelin uh, apologist in terms of Presence. Yeah, it's not a bad album. Come on, and I love the album cover. It creeps me out. So my favorite, one of my favorite sides, because I'm talking violently here, is um, 
Physical Graffiti Side 2, which is Houses of the Holy, which is a weird version, uh, which is a weird thing to do instead of putting it on Houses of the Holy. Yeah. Goes into Trampled Underfoot, goes into Cashmere. Yeah, see, that's really good. So I feel like Trampled Underfoot is, is a, I don't even know what we're talking about this, but yeah, I just, I got very enthused by Led Zeppelin all of a sudden. Neither tech nor paranormal unless you think about the pact of the devil that, uh, that, uh, right. was it Jimmy Page who has a pact of the devil? Right. Yeah. That's something we I should just, actually explore in a future episode. Uh, the, definitely. That's something I would definitely like to write down. Double density. So this week being episode 12, we're doing more so, um, tech stuff. And then for episode 13, we're planning more of a centered uh, paranormal angle so uh, in terms of paranormal this week we're going to talk about something a little um depressing and sad because everyone i've spoken to about this is has ex- expressed uh um <laughs> uh dismay at the subject matter it is really sad so rolling stone recently published an article uh, entitled texas teen may be victim in blue whale challenge that encourages suicide so if you do research, so this was uh, a game created in Russia and it basically it's, it's called the blue whale challenge and it's a 50 day challenge. And, um, what happens is that you, uh, join a group, uh, of some sort and, and an administrator gives you tasks to do every day. And a lot of them are very sad and strange, like self mutilation and things like that. And ultimately on the 50th day, um, the culmination of everything is that you are supposed to commit suicide at the prompting of an administrator. And so when you when you sent me this thing, my first thought is this like another creepy pasta thing, and it's not. It's it's, it's real and it's awful. To be honest with you, like if you had told me it was a creepy pasta, I would definitely believe that. But unfortunately, yeah, um, it is a game that people partake in around the world. Um, if you do a quick Google search, um, there unfortunately have been many uh, people who have reported a loved one, usually a child, um, that has passed away or taken their lives due to this, uh, which is super sad. There's uh, one of the numbers that stood out to me the most was 130 separate cases in Russia. Right. And they prosecuted the guy who, um, created the game because he also claimed that he killed, claimed the, um, created the game, uh, with the explicit purpose that he was trying to cleanse society. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good person at all. <laughs> Not in the least. And this is all recent stuff. Like it, here it says on June 7th, President Putin signed a law imposing criminal penalties for inducing minors to suicide. Right. I can't believe there had to be a law imposing that. I thought that right. was probably in place already. Well, as you know, I mean, unfortunately, teenagers' brains aren't fully formed. So um, just thinking back to my own teenage years... Uh, it wouldn't have surprised me if people I had known either online or in person had maybe tried to participate in a game like this, unfortunately. And so what is what is your take on the paranormal angle of this? Well, my whole thing is like I kind of want to talk about things that are supposedly haunted or, you know, um, you know, games or activities that e- evoke, like, for example, like the movie Saw, right? So um, the whole idea is, that, do you want to play a game? Yeah, and it, that the first one was actually really good. Yeah, I was actually talking about that last night. Even though Danny Brown, um, Danny Brown, Danny Glover may or may not have been miscast, but that's neither here nor there. He's in yeah. that. Uh, yeah, he plays one of the cops. Jeez, I hardly see hardly. I remember uh, uh, the the uh, Dread Pirate Roberts was in it. Right. Uh, yes, whose name escapes me right now? <laughs> Carrie but... Carrie Ellis. There we go. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of these sorts of like um, that weird blurred line in between creepy pasta, um, cursed or 
uh, weird things that you hear of as a kid or something that you don't believe are real things is kind of the paranormal aspect I wanted to bring to this tonight. Like yeah, it's sort of like you, Bloody Mary. Yeah, or like the, you know, or the movie version of that, which is Candyman. And, um, well, just before we recorded, I didn't tell you, and I haven't put it in the notes, but I finish uh, Ben Drowned. Oh, did you? The creepypasta I told you to try and read. Or yeah. That our, our uh, listener Bruno suggested you. Uh, I read it, and it was really well written and pretty terrifying. Uh, I, I told you what I, I did what I told you I would do, and I read it on my giant iPad and watched some of those videos which are spine tingling the videos whoever made them whoever did all that did a really good job of doing that because the the videos of link with the music playing backwards and all the weird stuff happening around them just thinking of it is creeping me out right and this kind of cycles back to the idea of creepypasta and things that appear to be either real or, or unreal and it's it's hard to, and it's this weird thing right where like internet culture exists in such a way that like everything and yet nothing feels real yeah, it's just even reading this article, like I said, it didn't seem like something that was really happening, uh, almost some, like something out of a movie. It seems like the premise for a movie, and it's probably going to be made into a movie at some point. Um, and speaking of that, actually, you brought up a movie called Cry Wolf, which right. I've never with seen. Your, with, your bre- uh, with your brethren, uh, John Bon Jovi. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, a funny story about John Bon Jovi. He... Uh, I have cousins in New Jersey, and he went over to the house for the 4th of July barbecue many years ago. I have a picture of my cousin standing next to him <laughs> because their neighbor, I think it was their neighbor, used to babysit for a lot of uh, famous musicians. Right. Well, the reason I want to talk about Cryov is because part of the marketing release um, had users log into AOL uh, uh, messaging, so AIM. So <laughs> wow. AOL Instant Messaging, and um, they can interact with bots um, on there, and you could sort of um, send, uh, watch people uh, send messages to each other and things like that. So it's kind of like this weird kind of um, setting where you can watch real life slash movie life unfold, and I thought that was kind of interesting. That's something that stuck in my mind when I remembered the movie. So the movie itself isn't really good at all. It's no. a... It's a really bad thriller about um, mafia. So basically people who, I don't know if you've ever played the game mafia, like the, the parlor game. No, I don't even know what that is. So it's kind of like a, a, like a whodunit sort of, and you don't know who is who. Um, so basically some people become, uh, at the outside of the game, someone assigns people, you're either mafia or not mafia. And you, uh, during, so there's two, uh, so during the night, mafia members are allowed to off innocent people. And during the day, um, innocent people are allowed to uh, do investigative work and try to figure out who is a mafia member. What a weird premise for a game. Double density. So can I admit something to you? Sure. I was looking, like while we were talking about the Ben Drowns thing, and I was looking yep. out, I looked, and I was like, oh, it's dark outside. And so whenever it's dark outside and I'm looking at a window, I always worry I'm going to see the Stan Romanek uh, alien. <laughs> the alien, the up. hello yeah. alien? Yeah. That, that. Uh, I recently showed that picture to my girlfriend. We had a good laugh about that because it's the still image that they use for the new Stan Romanek um, documentary on Netflix. If you hit the button and you read the, the, the synopsis, it's that little alien. Oh, God. But it's still, it's still in, like the images of the greys. I was kind of that the cover of communion like scarred me for life. Right. It's that representation of aliens uh, in popular culture that I get what you mean though. Like uh, staring out. So I was staying at a friend's place and um, they live in the sticks 
And at night, sometimes it gets real dark, right? So when you're trying to close a blind or something, you always just, out of the corner of your eyes, oh, yeah. sometimes you hope you don't see something before going to bed. I, I just got a shiver there when you mentioned that to me. That That's, it's so funny how, how, how I have a, what I'd like to think is a very rational mind, but if I think of those things, it really gives me the chills. I was uh, listening to, uh, as I was lying in bed, trying to just rest before, um, for another day of going to the stupid beach uh, <laughs> at the resort, I was listening to um, the Not Alone uh, podcast episode of, uh, they did a two-parter on uh, communion. Right. And uh, they were kind of talking about it, and it's such... Like, whether it's true or not or whatever, Whitley Strieber is an interesting character. It's a very and, compelling narrative, and the way that he tells it, um, yeah. especially in the book, is just, it's really well constructed. So either you believe him or you don't, I think that's besides the point. Just the narrative itself is super well done. Yeah, and the way they were talking about it on the podcast, really, really, uh, they did a really good job of it. And it really creeped me out that night as I was lying there uh, trying to relax to fall asleep because it was... We had a, it was early, right? The kids were exhausted, so we were in bed at like 9 p.m., so I wasn't going to fall asleep, so I was listening to the podcast, and... Um, you didn't want to go jump in the ocean to sort of relax yourself? No, because I was afraid of aliens coming and pick me up. <laughs> uh, I was in Haiti. It was, I wasn't in Haiti, but it was right next to Haiti where those UFOs showed up in, in the mid-2000s, right? Right. So, um, but yeah, it, all all the alien stuff really creeps me out and we completely developed the uh, diverged from what we were talking about well that's fine i mean that's kind of like the fun of this podcast right like tonight we talked about zeppelin for a couple of minutes yeah i don't even know if that'll make it to the cut but i think it uh, might i i enjoy zep talk as i call it and and so we were talking about cursed video games and we go from something that's real uh which is this and and I'm I'm wondering if you have any other thoughts on it before we 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 change topic. Actually, I mean, I but, hope it doesn't become a template for other people who want to sort of uh, inflict weird pain on the world. Uh, unfortunately, I see this becoming a a larger trend, and it's once again it's that weird thing of like uh, the double edged sort of reporting on things makes things more uh, out there and more um, on people's minds, and therefore they may want to sort of emulate that if you know they're sociopathic or whatever. So it, it was uh, reminding me of um, Petscop, which we talked about in episode uh, three or four. That PlayStation uh, game? Yeah, it was. Uh, that game really was creepy too, because that was sort of based on a true story of um, teens uh, committing suicide. Right. And this, this is a lot worse because it's it's a game that's out there that kids can discover on the web and. "Quote-unquote play, and then die." And, and I think awful. it also. I think a lot of this is popular because it goes back to the idea that like parents don't understand newer culture, right? So this idea of creepypasta, the Slender Man, like people don't understand it until it becomes mainstream due to incidents that happen, right? So this idea of the Blue Whale game, um, a large segment of the population doesn't understand until it affects someone around them or they see a newscast about it, right? Yeah, and it's. It's this seems a lot more serious than back when we were younger and parents were worried about kids playing too much Nintendo and not going out uh, and playing outside. This seems to be a lot more sinister and a lot more dangerous because kids have easy access to the internet. And I don't like being one of those alarmists that worries about new technology taking over. It usually uh, gets proven to be wrong. 
but the internet does open up uh, a lot more avenues for people to get into your home and to your children more easily and uh, we're we're turning into one of those weird uh, social experiment videos where we make <laughs> parents worry about their kids but uh this is something that can be very serious and for sure and you know and i think that like in talking about it like i think in a detached kind of way it's 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 interesting on a certain level but it's also like very heartbreaking yeah it is and and to to go on to something a little lighter than that um and we were talking about cursed games something popped into my head and it's that cursed video game and i had to like try and figure out what the heck it was called and it was Googling cursed video games, paranormal, and I was getting like games called cursed, paranormal, and then I <laughs> finally came across it. It's uh, Polybius, if that's how you pronounce it. Right, from the early 80s. Yeah. Um, and I remember hearing about this on, uh, on a podcast or reading about it somewhere, and it's a weird, weird thing that just makes me think of The Last Starfighter. No, I definitely, it was such a, and so it's an urban legend about this game that unfortunately, um, I don't know, like, just uh, kills people, I guess is the best way of putting it. Yeah, it makes them become addicted, and then they have weird um, dreams about it, and then, like, it becomes daydreams, and then it becomes, like, an obsession. And they, they have convulsions and hallucinations and night terrors. Um and at the end of the day, they don't realize that it's actually alien abductions that are happening to them. Yeah, exactly. So uh, people reported seeing men in black coming to collect uh, people who are playing the game. And you know how these things just spread and become completely out of control and people wondering what the hell's going on. Yeah, and I mean, like, this is almost, as you're saying, like, this is a lot more fun, <laughs> I guess would be the best word to put it in terms of... Uh... A thing that exists in reality or in the space of reality. Yeah, because nobody actually died from this and nobody's actually getting hurt. And it's something that happened over 30 years ago. What I think is interesting, too, is that sort of this urban legend actually uh, created enough interest for people to create a game based off of the urban legend. There's a few games. Somebody even created a, an Atari 2600 game of this. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, on, it's in the Wikipedia article. Um, the, they did a homebrew um, actual uh, Atari 2600 game, I think, is if I read that properly. Yeah, and they, I'm just reading that now. They also just uh, uh, launched a PlayStation 4 uh, game. And the VR? Yeah, in VR. Yeah, so no one's going to play it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the topic for another episode. So let's close this down right now. So this has been episode 12 of the Double Density Podcast. And I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. There have been a lot of digressions. Yeah. I'm glad glad you're back from vacation. Thank you. And I'm glad that we're uh, getting this done um, and trying to cut down on the lead time between episodes coming out and uh, being recorded and coming out. And it seems like we gave you a doozy to edit with all the rambling we did tonight. So good luck, Brian. (laughs) Thanks, Angelo. And uh, we hope you tune in next week. Uh, So we'll see you then. Bye. Ciao.